Good morning, and I welcome you to worship here at Furwood United Methodist Church to our broadcast on this Sunday, August the 2nd. Uh, I hope that, that you are well, and I hope you had a good week uh, as we come together to worship today. Hello, my name is Craig Gomer. I'm the pastor here of the Furwood United Methodist Church, as well as the Albright and Central United Methodist Churches. And again, I hope you had a good week. Just a couple of notes uh, that uh, just want to make you aware of. Uh, due to the new configuration that we're in since July 1st of the three churches together, uh, which is being called the Wilkesbury Cooperative Parish, uh, we need to have a special church conference uh, to elect a lay member to annual conference and also an alternate lay member to annual conference. Uh, please keep an eye out on our Facebook pages and web pages uh, and other uh, sources, maybe even phone calls that you might get. Uh, we're looking probably at some time this month uh, to do that. Uh, we need to do that before our uh, annual conference, uh, which will be a virtual one uh, on October 3rd. So please keep that in mind. Please keep an ear out and an eye out uh, for the announcement of when that church conference is. Because of uh, COVID-19 and what our bishop is recommending in terms of gathering of less than 25 people, there's a good chance that that church conference will be on uh, virtual online through uh, Zoom or GoToMeeting or one of those platforms uh, that we can get everybody together either by video or by phone. So please, again, keep uh, a close eye on those things. Also, uh, if you know anyone who is in need of a hospital bed, uh, gently used, it's roughly two months old, uh, we, I have access to that. Uh, if you know anybody that's interested, please call one of the church offices or uh, message the Facebook page uh, to let us know that as well. Uh, if there's anything else we can do for you as the church, uh, again, please don't hesitate to send a message to our Facebook page or give us a call at our church office, and you can find that number on our Facebook page or on our website. So I encourage you now as we prepare our, our hearts and minds for worship today, uh, would you join me in our call to worship? Why have you come this morning? We have come to encounter the Holy One. You know you'll never be the same if you do. We have come to wrestle with our faith, our doubts, and even our convictions. Then come, let us venture into this time of worship and prepare to encounter God face to face. Let's join together in our first hymn.
Let's join together in our opening prayer. God of compassion, forgive me. God of compassion, we are sick. We have wrestled all night with worry instead of resting in you. We have asserted our own goodness instead of awakening to yours. We have turned away those hungry for your help instead of trusting you and feeding them from your limitless supply of blessings. Forgive us, heal us, and help us to hold on to you. We call upon you for you will answer us, O God, through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Let's join together in silent prayers of confession and forgiveness. Hear the good news, the God of steadfast love is our refuge and savior. In Christ, we who are broken are healed, forgiven, filled, and transformed. In the name of Jesus Christ, you are forgiven. In the name of Jesus Christ, you are forgiven. Glory be to God. Amen. Before we hear our scriptures today, let us join together in a prayer of illumination. All-knowing God, you have satisfied our hunger at sunset and held us close through nights of wrestling. Now let the daybreak with your blessing awaken and illumine us by your word that we may behold your likeness. Amen. Our scripture today comes from the gospel according to Matthew chapter 14, beginning at verse 13 and going through verse 21. Hear these words. When Jesus heard what had happened, he withdrew by boat privately to a solitary place. Hearing of this, the crowds followed him on foot from the towns. When Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them and healed their sick. As evening approached, the disciples came to him and said, This is a remote place, and it's already getting late. Send the crowds away so they can go to the villages and buy themselves some food. And Jesus replied, They do not need to go away. You give them something to eat. We have here only five loaves of bread and two fish, they answered. Bring them here to me, he said. He directed the people to sit down on the grass and taking the five loaves and the two fish and looking up to heaven, he gave thanks and broke the loaves. Then he gave them to the disciples and the disciples gave them to the people. They all ate and were satisfied and the disciples picked up 12 basketfuls of broken pieces that were left over. The number of those who ate was about 5,000 men besides women and children. This is the gospel of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our Redeemer. And all of God's children said, Amen. In some neighborhoods in Buenos Aires, you might pass a small cafe, and then you might see a refrigerator sitting up against the store wall. Over the fridge is a sign which reads, take freely only what you need. I'm serious, this is a true thing, it's actually happening. 
People can walk up to that fridge, open the door, take what they need, and then just walk away. These solidarity fridges, or social fridges as they're called, are a way of showing to the poor and needy that there are, in fact, people who care about them, people who stand with them, people who want to help them. In fact, most of the fridges in Brain and Sari's are part of an initiative started by a non-governmental agency or office called Red Solidaria. The sidewalk fridges remove, to a great extent, the need for the poor and the homeless to go out and beg for food. It's not like a soup kitchen where the folks have to line up and hold out their plates and a worker fills their bowls with soup or with food. In their way of working, the homeless or poor can get food themselves take what they need, and then just leave the rest. The food itself is put into the fridges by that cafe where the refrigerator is or that restaurant where it is. These owners fill it, and sometimes even concerned citizens come by to drop off items to those fridges. By putting food in these curbside fridges, cafes are redistributing food that would have been thrown in the trash or gone bad, gone wasted, while at the same time they are helping to, pe- to feed people in need. Luis Pondal, who owns a restaurant in Tucuman, Argentina, says this about what he's doing with the refrigerator. I was sick of seeing how food got thrown away, and then shortly afterward, people were foraging through it. Why not give it to them with some dignity? The movement has spread to Cordoba and other cities in Argentina. And now it has jumped to other countries as well, countries like Saudi Arabia, Spain, and even India. Of course, you just can't leave anything in these refrigerators. There are are rules for adding to the refrigerator. There's no meat or eggs, nothing packaged or canned goods. You cannot be past their due date if you do put anything in. Also, anything prepared at home must include a label as to when it was made. And no raw fish. Bread's okay, but no fish. Unless, of course, we're talking about our gospel lesson today. Then you accept fish and bread, even if the donation isn't a lot. In our scripture today, the donation was five barley loaves and two fish. Yet this little faith-filled donation fed thousands. Before what I read to you today, Jesus had been teaching in the countryside. A crowd gathers and the afternoon slips by. One of those magical days when, if you've ever had it happen to you, you lose track of time. But what could Jesus say to captivate these people who scarcely had an afternoon to spare? These were everyday folk who had a difficult life. They labored in the fields of this bone-dry land under blistering sun, living out an existence as they worked the soil. Children labored alongside their parents, if not in the fields, then in the carpentry shop or over hot stoves as a blacksmith's forge. Life was hard. The laborers died young. And all the while they worked in the shadow of their Roman oppressors. Yet even so, here they were in the countryside listening to this man Jesus. Obviously, they were huge followers. 
When Jesus cast off from shore to escape the crowds in order to grieve over the death of John just prior to our scripture, they streamed around the lake on foot. They ran to find out where he was going to land. And if you think about it or have been to the Sea of Galilee, you know that that's not an easy task to run from one side of that place to another. But they did it. They found the man who, according to that gospel writer, said, Come unto me, all you who labor, and I will give you rest. But the truth really is, we don't know what Jesus said to these people who had followed him to this deserted place so he could grieve his cousin John. Based on our scripture, it's likely he didn't say very much. But what we do know is both the crowds and Jesus were linked by a common desire. They both needed consolation. They both needed encouragement. Jesus, for one, as I mentioned, had lost his cousin John in the beginning of chapter 14, and we hear his disciples came and took the body and buried it. Then they were and told Jesus. When Jesus heard it, he ran for a boat, paddled off for a deserted place, perhaps hoping to be alone. The crowds for the other saw in Jesus someone who gave them hope. So instead of being irritated when the crowds arrived there after racing around the Sea of Galilee to his deserted place, Jesus saw them and had compassion on them. Their urgent need got to him right to his heart, to his stomach, to his compassion. It's possible that he taught them feeding their souls. We don't really know, but the gospel is clear of Matthew that he at least healed the people that were there that needed healing. The Gospel of Luke suggests that this is precisely what happened, that he fed them. He talked about the nature of rule or the kingdom of God and the people of God's kingdom. But there's nothing in Matthew to suggest that Jesus sat on some nice rounded boulder and, or a grassy knoll and explained to this crowd some idea of the view of the kingdom of God like we've heard in the Sermon on the Mount. Matthew says nothing at all about any teaching. All we read is that he had compassion for them and healed their sick. Grieving over the loss of John, his colleague in this ministry and a close family member as well, Jesus still had compassion and he spent an entire afternoon working the crowd, if you will, curing their sick. Maybe working with the people who needed deliverance and encouragement fed Jesus' soul and strengthened him for the work that was ahead of him. If you've ever done anything where you've taken something to someone who's sick or ill or gone to visit them, you know that you are encouraging them, just as Jesus encouraged these folks. But what did it feel like after you were done with your visit? Maybe together, besides healing their sick, in a way, they healed him as well. Although our story today about feeding the 5,000 is found in four Gospels, the feeding was just part of that story, and it happened only at the end of the day. And while it says 5,000 men... We know it's probably at least twice that with women and children being there as well. But the primary focus of Jesus that day wasn't feeding, but healing. 
And when Jesus did this, he also touched something deeper, something in the soul that realigned them with God. He healed their sick. He didn't ask them to sign anything. He didn't ask them to make a pledge to follow him. Didn't say, hey, make sure you're in church next week. Didn't ask them to go and tell the Pharisees or Sadducees that they'd been healed. He didn't discriminate. And when the sun was sinking, the disciples then suddenly realized the people were getting hungry. So they went over to Jesus and they suggested, you know what, send them away, Jesus. You know, it's, it's late. They're probably hungry. Let them go to town and they can go buy something to eat before it gets too dark. Can you imagine Jesus' reaction? He probably turned to them, looked at them with a, a funny look, and they probably knew at that moment something was coming, and he says, no, they can stay. Tell them to sit down. This was Jesus' approach. You don't send people away. You ask them to stay with you a while. And then you find out what they need, and then you help meet their need. Then he says something which I think is extremely important. He says, you give them something to eat. You imagine the look on their faces as they're looking with each other, at each other, and we give them something to eat. What does that mean? You know, Jesus, this is all we've got. So basically, they're saying, this is what we have. Five loaves, two fish. In other words, there's only enough for us. You wonder if Jesus was a little bit exasperated too. Kind of like saying, you mean you've been with me this whole time, you've seen some amazing things, do you not think something amazing can happen right now? You're worried more about your belly than you are about them. But Jesus goes with it. Bring those here to me. After such a long day, after all that's happened, can't you just hear Jesus let out a sigh? <sighs> bring them to me. But what would we bring to Jesus were he to ask you and I? Something else was happening as well. Jesus asked the disciples to organize the crowd, and then Jesus took the loaves, and when he had given thanks, he distributed them to those who were seated. According to the Gospel of John, the account of the event, Jesus will say on the very next day to the same people, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never be hungry. This is a scene which only comes into focus after we see Jesus lifted up on the cross. After we watch as he distributes the bread to his disciples in the upper room and says, take, eat, this is my body given for you. It was a lesson that maybe he hoped the crowds would understand when he distributed the five loaves and the two fish. He hoped that they would catch a glimpse of the kingdom of God, that they might believe in him and more importantly in the one who sent him. But Jesus wasn't a fool. He knew what was going on. When he saw these people the next day, he knew why they had once again followed him. Very truly, I tell you, it says in John, you are looking for me because you ate your fill of loaves. Do not work for food that perishes, but the food that endures for eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. 
Jesus' distribution of the loaves was supposed to remind them of what Moses did with the manna when he fed the Israelites from God in the wilderness. They were supposed to see a greater than Moses now here among them that the Messiah was here. And he wanted them to believe in him and the one who sent him. But here's the tragedy. Here's the tragedy with these experiences we have with Jesus. We don't see him. We don't recognize who he is. We don't recognize what he's done. In this encounter alone, we learn an awful lot about him. He experienced sorrow at the death of his cousin John. He needed downtime. He needed rest. And he understood the importance of that rest and that renewal. He had a strategy in his dealings with crowds. He had clear priorities. He wasn't driven by the expectations of those around him. He always made time for the people. He delegated and gave the bread and the fish to others to distribute. And he trusted his inner circle to help him with that work. These are some of the things we see right here in this moment in Matthew. As Jesus gives himself to the crowd, teaches his disciples by way of example, and putting aside his own personal needs, has compassion. Compassion to be able to give himself to the people. You and I as the church have an opportunity to be the bread of life for the people around us in our community. And the community needs it now more than ever. What does that look like? Imagine you have five loaves and two fish. And Jesus says you give them something to eat. Maybe these Five loaves and two fish, if you think about it today, they represent different things. Like one loaf of bread might be faith. Another loaf might be availability. Another might be time. Still another might be money. And the last one being ideas and vision. So you have the bread. What about the fish? Maybe the first fish is prayer and the second one is study. And Jesus says, you give them something. So he takes all of our bread, all of our loaves, all of our fish, and we offer it up to him. All of our time, our talents, our money, our faith, our study, our prayer, we offer it all up to him. Now think about this for a minute. You're offering what you have to Jesus. And what's he going to do with it? He's going to bless it. He's going to break it. And you know what he's going to do? He's going to give it back to you to distribute to those around you. And notice what happens in the scripture. It's one line. But all the leftovers that are there to be placed in a basket and given out to other people. There are plenty of leftovers to take back to others, to be fed. Why do we need to give Jesus what we have? 
because the need is greater now than it's ever been. We can act as solidarity fridges for people in our neighborhood, whether we put one physically near our church or we have so much to give, we offer it to Christ and he blesses and breaks it. The church isn't just the building. The church is the people. And the church is to go out and feed both body and soul. We offer bread and fish up to Jesus. And in so doing, we feed the world physically and spiritually. Jesus calls us to offer up what we have. To let him bless it and break it. And then and only then can we distribute it to others. What are you willing to give Jesus to bless and to break that can be distributed to the people in need around you? Why are you holding it back? Why are you telling Jesus, tell them to go? I don't have anything for them. Who around you has been chasing Jesus around the lake? Who do you know that's looking and in need of being fed spiritually and maybe even physically? What are you offering up to Jesus that they can be fed after he blesses and breaks it? You know, in a real sense, we are called to give ourselves up, to give up all that we are and all that we have so that Christ can take it, bless it, and break it so that it can be distributed to those around us. What gifts and graces that you have to be blessed and broken and shared? We might not ever see a, a solidarity refrigerator here at the church or anywhere in our community, but the reality is we, as disciples of Jesus Christ, have much to offer if if we're willing to follow Jesus' response when he says to me and to you, you give them something to eat. That's our challenge. We've got to be willing to give it up, to offer it up, to be blessed and broken and shared. What do you have to offer up? What are you holding back? What's in need in the community around us that we have that can be blessed and broken and distributed? We're called to do that. You give them something to eat. Amen. As we come together at our time of prayer, we're called upon to lift each other up, to pray for those in need, to lift up our joys and our sorrows. As we go to our time of prayer, I encourage you to keep people who are in the path of the hurricanes that we've heard of coming. Keep them in prayer bad enough fighting COVID-19 in some of these places, but now a hurricane's coming with wind and rain. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. <clears throat> o 
God, you've given us the name of sons and daughters of God. You have created us as new people, and with all our being, we praise your name. You have made us your covenant people. Glory to be to you, O God most high. You have fed us day by day with the goodness of the earth, yet we are often reluctant to share what we have with others. You have given us an abundance of your bounty, yet we are not careful with it. We let so much go to waste. For those times where we have been selfish with your gifts, Lord, we ask your mercy upon us. Where we have failed to be good stewards, not multiplying our resources for the good of others around us, Forgive us, O compassionate God, for the sake of your kingdom. Pour out you upon us a fresh gift of your Holy Spirit, that we may have a mind to address the ills of this world. Help us to be generous to those who hunger. Aid us in being healers to those who are sick. Inspire us to be peacemakers for those in conflict. Give guidance to our leaders in this nation and in other nations around the world that they may seek the common good for all of your people. Receive into your care those who wrestle with illness of body, mind, or spirit. Hear us as we lift up before you those whom we will name out loud and those who are only named in the silence of our hearts. Hear our prayers this day. For James and Christy, for John and Olivia, for Kathy and Caitlin, for Mike and Ashley, for Jacoby and Lily, for Tom and Clara, for our churches and our pastors in the district, in the Wilkes-Barre Scranton district, and in the Susquehanna Annual Conference as we continue to find new ways to minister to those around us in this COVID-19 time. We pray for Paul and Natalia and Gregory, for Jerry, for Jim and Barb, for Rich and Janet, for Pat and Tom, for Dawn and Aaron, for young Nathan, for John. Lord, we lift up schools in our area and schools around our country. We lift up the, those who are in administration, for the teachers, for the support staff, for the boards of education, as they look to find ways to keep our children safe, yet offer them an education. We pray for those who are suffering from COVID-19. We pray for those who have recovered from it, but still suffer from the after effects of having it. We pray for doctors and nurses we pray for hospitals, for our EMS, our fire, our police, for our 911 dispatchers. We pray for all of them in this COVID-19 time. Help us to continue to follow John Wesley's three simple rules, to do no harm, to do good, and to stay in love with you. We lift up all of our governmental leaders on all levels as they continue to struggle with this new normal, as it's been called, as they find ways to take care of those who have elected them. 
We pray for those in the paths of hurricanes. And lastly, Lord, we lift up our military and their families wherever they may be serving, especially the, for Marines and one sailor injured in a training accident this morning. Lord, hear us and answer us. For we pray in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord, who taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Let's join together in our final hymn.
Let's join together in our words as we go forth today. Touched, changed, called, and empowered, go now in the power and provision of Christ. We go now to heal the sick, feed the hungry, and serve the world. Christ himself, who holds you in his hands, has blessed you, broken you, and given you as his gift to the world. May the grace of Christ be multiplied to us and through us now and forever. As you go forth this day, I just want to thank you for joining us in our broadcast today. But as you go forth, remember, Jesus is saying to you, you give them something to eat. Take what you've been given, give it to Christ, let him bless it, let him break it, and then distribute it to those around you, to your family, your friends, your community, that they might know the love of Jesus that he has for them, just as he did when he fed the 5,000 that day. May God add his blessing to you this week. Amen.